It's wonderful to uh, have the opportunity to, to share with you guys again this morning. It's great to be here. Um, and, you know, two years ago, uh, Andrew and I got an opportunity to visit my nan in the UK. Uh, so we had uh, received news that she was extremely uh, ill and most likely wouldn't uh, make it through the year. So within a week, we decided um, to jump on a plane and, and go over and visit her. And there's a photo of, of me and nan and, and my mum. And um, it was such a, a special few weeks with her. Uh, we just... You know, she was able to meet Andrew for the first time. Uh, we were able to just pray with her and be there with her and just support mum as well as she cared for Nan. Um, and Nan ended up passing away uh, in November 2016, but I was just so incredibly grateful uh, for those couple of weeks with her. And um, prior to us going over, uh, Nan was faced with a decision of whether or not to have an operation. Um, and that operation was um, there to uh, look at clearing a cancerous tumour that she had in her bowel. And the doctors had made it fairly clear that they didn't feel like she would make it through that, that operation. Um, she, her heart was, in, was not in a good condition and they had said that um, it was very unlikely that she'd be able to make it through. Uh, but mum and, and Nan in that moment felt like they still needed to, to go through with the operation and have it. Uh, and so before uh, the operation, my mum felt the Lord give her a scripture and she felt like the scripture was for uh, my nan. And it was from Psalm 41 verse 3 where it says, The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. Mum just kind of wrote that on a piece of paper and gave it to my nan. And apparently, she kind of grabbed that piece of paper, and as they were wheeling her into the operating theatre, she was like clenching onto that piece of paper with everything that she had. The doctor said that even um, before she went under to have the operation, she was just reading uh, that scripture over and over again. And they were quite amazed just at the sense of peace that she had before that operation, given the likelihood uh, that she would die. Um, so Nan actually made it through that operation and that was amazing because it gave us the opportunity to, to go over and see her. But she would say that in her words, she was like, it worked. I received such peace as I just read that scripture and held on to the word of God in that moment. And even though uh, Nan ended up dying a couple of months later, one of the things that I saw the Lord just doing in her life is constantly pointing her to the promises of God, a specific word in a specific season that just kind of kept um, bringing in a greater level of peace as she um, kind of was in the last few weeks of her life. And so, as I said, we're starting uh, our Christmas uh, series and we're going to be looking at encounters of God's presence uh, within the Christmas story. And today we're going to sit in Mary's encounter with the angel Gabriel. It's got to be, I think, one of my favourite passages of scripture. I just love it. But I want to use it as inspiration for us to look at what does it look like to be a person who is living from promise. What does it look like to be a person who is living from promise? And my heart for us this morning is that, like my nan, we would clench so tightly to the promises of God, to the point that the promises of God become more real to us than our circumstance. That the promises of God become more real to us than our circumstance. So why don't you open your, your Bible to Luke chapter 1, and 
you're going to read from verse 26 to 45, and it'll also be on the screen if you'd like to follow along there. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of the father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own age, old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in, conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Now, one of the first things that just kind of stood out to me so clearly as I read this story again uh, was that living from promise moves us from a place of fear into a place of faith. Living from promise moves us from a place of fear into a place of faith. If you look at Mary's initial response when she encountered the angel, it's one of fear. In verse 29, it says that she was greatly troubled. There was a sense of trepidation and fear for what the Lord might say to her, what this angel might say to her, what she might be called into. And we see that in this encounter, Mary is given quite an incredible task. Um, to be the mother of the Saviour, the promised Saviour. And it's a significant one at that. And so we see Mary kind of wrestles with the how. How can this be? But she lands in a place of faith. She lands in a place of faith. And I want to propose that it's the promises of God that the angel gives to her that move her into that place of faith. It's the promises of God that move her into that place of faith. If you look, she receives an individual prophetic word that she will conceive and give birth to a son. The angel points her to the general and the overarching promises of God. So verse 33, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Verse 37, that no word from God will ever fail. Or in other translations, it says, for nothing is impossible with God. And so one of the primary purposes, I think, of us encountering Jesus is that the Holy Spirit would remind us of God's promises in order that we might walk more fully in faith. Because when I encountered Jesus, I encountered love. 
because God is love, and perfect love casts out fear. And love is full of promise, or God's love, God's promises cannot be broken. And when I was um, pregnant with Joey, the Lord made it really, really clear to me that he wanted me to keep him at the centre of that whole journey. Uh, that he didn't want me to just kind of add him along the way and pray here and there for the pregnancy, but he wanted to be at the very centre of that journey. He had things that he wanted to say into that journey. He wanted me to be able to view it in the way that he does. And um, one of the reasons that I feel like that is so that was so important is Obviously, for many of you who um, would know that pregnancy is just something that feels really out of your control. You're kind of just growing this baby. There's not a whole lot that you can do. Um, there's obviously things that you can do that might harm that process, but it's, it's something that feels really out of your control. And when we're in a season that feels out of our control, Satan will do every single thing in his power to bring fear into that, se that season. And the reason is because if you, that season can actually bring you into profound maturity in Christ. If you learn to go through that season feeling out of control, well with the Lord, that can bring you into profound maturity in Christ. So um, if you can, and by well, I mean if you can learn to develop a trust and a faith in the midst of feeling in control, that will help you to walk in faith. And that is a huge risk. To Satan. And so in order to keep him out of that journey, I just had to keep inviting Jesus in in every moment. What are you saying? What promises do you want to give me? What, how do you view this situation? And in each encounter with Jesus, it was like I would encounter a, a fresh promise again. And one of the rhythms that Andy and I had during um, the pregnancy was we decided to play a song called Gravity, and it's written by a girl called Jen Johnson. And we used to play that to Joey from, I think, from when I was about four months pregnant. Um, every night when I went to sleep, we'd just play that song before we went to bed. And I had a sense that that song would, would minister to Joey as she was in the womb. Um, but funny enough, that song actually became a regular place where I encountered God every night. Uh, in the song, it says, Sovereign, high above it all, sovereign you are, I can rest because it's all in your hands. Sovereign you are. And it was like each night as we played that song, God just reminded me of his promise that he was sovereign, that there was a place of rest that he wanted me to, to kind of be rooted in um, as I went um, along this pregnancy journey. Um, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. God's promises are ours in Christ. But we are called to say amen to them. We are called to say amen to these promises. And to say amen to something is to express agreement to so living um, from promise, I think, looks like coming into agreement with the promises of God in your life. And as I spent time um, with Jesus during my pregnancy, he gave me a number of uh, scriptures that I felt like he wanted me to declare. Um, and when I use that word declare, I just mean verbally speak out over each part of my journey and over my labor. 
And the declaration of these promises saw me move further into faith and further away from fear. And I used to not understand the purpose of of declaration, um, but I discovered that when I speak out the promises of God, I'm actually agreeing to them. Because what I speak has a profound effect on what I believe. It has a profound effect on what I believe. I have to help my mind think in line with the promises of God. Proverbs 18, um, 21 says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue. What I speak has the power to bring life and also has the power to bring death. That speaks quite strongly of the authority that we have uh, in our words in in Jesus Christ. And the other day I was reading um, a psychological study that was titled, Words Can Change Your Brain. Words can change your brain. And I've just got an excerpt from that study I just like to read. So it says, a single word has the power to influence the expression of genes that regulate physical and emotional stress. Positive words like peace or love can strengthen areas of the frontal lobe. So that's things to do with your behavior, your learning, your personality, and promote cognitive functioning. People's motivation centers of the brain are put into action and resilience is built. Negative words increase activity, I'm just going to say, in our fear center and actually releases dozens of stress-producing hormones. It interrupts the functions of the brain. So what we speak has a profound effect on our mental health. We can actually, when we speak negative words, we are increasing the activity of our fear center in the brain. Um, And so every time I declared a promise uh, in that journey, it was like I was renewing my mind physically into a place of faith and not fear. And what that looked like was speaking out the scriptures that that God gave me every night uh, before I went to bed. And actually, um, Andrew and I decided that we wanted to speak them out through uh, my labour journey. And so he brought the piece of paper, but he had given me scriptures along the way that as I went into labour, I ripped out of my journal and I took with me. Um, And there was things that I just had written here, like, I will not fear when fear speaks. I will remember I dwell with the Most High. Um, Jesus is within me. I will not fall. Jesus will always help me at the break of day. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful um, servants. And so it just looked like speaking that um, in that labour journey and in every contraction. And there was moments when I got pretty tired and I remember looking at Andrew one time and I was just like, I just need you to start saying some of these for me because right now um, I don't have the, the strength to do that. And it was just incredible, this sense of peace that filled um, that birthing suite. And actually our obstetrician and our midwives for days after kept saying, you don't understand what, what was going on. They just sensed the peace and, and were just wondering about what, what was going on. And it was just because Jesus was there in our presence and, and in our midst. And so through Christ, we have that access to the promise of God, but we need to agree to that promise in our mind and our heart. And declaration um, is us agreeing to that promise. On the contrary, I remember towards the end of my pregnancy, I actually developed preeclampsia. And if you know anything about that, it, I was really lucky that I got it in the last week of pregnancy because the only way to, to cure it um, is to actually have the baby. So that... 
um, was quite lucky, but my blood pressure shot up. And I just found myself starting to dwell on that. And when people would ask me, that's how I just talk about that. And I just was really, really focused on that part of my pregnancy. And I just started sensing myself feeling more and more fearful. And I remember Jesus just being really firm with me one time and just saying, stop talking about it. And it's not like I find I was being naive if I didn't talk about it, but God was just saying, stop talking about that. Focus on the promises of God that I have given you. And it's, you know, it was in those moments when I focused on those promises, I was just brought back to that perspective and that peace. So we need like an inventory of promises stored up in our heart for every situation that you're facing and you're going through. And if we do that and we're speaking these regularly in our lives, we're actually saying amen to the promises of God. Our heart and our mind is coming into agreement with them. And I believe that speaking fear and not faith is actually saying no to what is yours in Christ. You're saying no to what, what is yours in Christ. And so think of a situation at the moment that feels really out of your control. Just think of a situation. And are you speaking fear over that situation or are you speaking faith? Because I believe this morning that the Lord has a promise for you in Scripture that he wants to give you into that um, specific situation. As I um, also sat in this story, the other thing that just kind of jumped out to me was that living from promise broadens our perspective of what is possible. It broadens our perspective of what, what is possible. And all of a sudden, the impossible starts to seem possible. If you look at Mary's encounter, she was called into something by human standards. It was impossible. It was absolutely impossible. She was going to become pregnant as a virgin. This poor, humble girl would be the, the mother of the promised saviour that everyone had been waiting for. And she wrestles with the how. She says, well, how can this be? Um, she is a virgin. How, how would she conceive? And, you know, we all, I think we all wrestle with the how. We have those moments where we are like, how, God? How could this be? We want to pursue the miraculous and see God's power on earth. We will ask, and I have asked, how? How would that happen, God? If we start something new that God puts in our path, we will probably ask how. How will I do that? How will I have the strength to do that? If you are going through incredible suffering, probably in that moment you'll be asking, how am I going to endure that, Lord? It's, we all wrestle with the how. But it's the promise that God gives Mary that no word from God will ever fail. Or in other translations, that nothing is impossible with God. It's this promise that I think helps Mary settle her how. And this life is just too short. It's too precious to let the how stop us, um, stop us moving into greater areas of faith, to stop us moving and chasing after the impossible in order that we might see Jesus' gospel spread in incredible ways that people cannot deny. And I think one of the things for us to, to settle the how, we need to place ourselves in environments where the impossible has become possible to, to help us build our faith. 
And um, Mary does this. She visits her cousin Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was a testament to God's promises fulfilled. She was pregnant uh, with John the Baptist. Um, she was previously unable to conceive. But they have this amazing interaction where they just kind of spark each other's faith as, as Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And one of the questions is, well, how are you placing yourselves in environments where the impossible is regularly seen or pursued? Because the Bible is just, it's absolutely full of stories where the impossible becomes possible. Look at Moses parting the Red Sea or Sarah falling pregnant with Isaac or Peter walking on water. Um, these stories just, they will help us start thinking the way that God does. Again, it's renewing our mind in line with God's promises. Bill Johnson says, you know your mind is renewed when the impossible looks logical. It will never look logical if we don't let these stories and this scripture just kind of renew our mind and, and help us think the way that God does. And just like when Mary went to Elizabeth, both their faith, faith increased. And I believe it's important to have people in our life who do that for us. And so I'm going to get a little bit sentimental here, and I just want to honour to give you an example of, in my life, two people who have really, really done this for me. The first one is Andrew. Um, he's, oh, I'm get emotional. He's, um, he's, his greatest gift to me and to Joey is the fact that he relentlessly pursues the impossible. He speaks faith in our house all the time. He desires to see the stories and acts become reality in our home, in our life. That is his greatest gift to me. He pulled me up every time I spoke fear in my pregnancy journey. He was like, no, I'm not. Every time, he, he always quotes prophetic words back to me that God's given me to try and remind me who I am. Um, he just desires to see the more and the more and the more and the more of God poured out on this community and, and over our kids at Chicago, that they might see the impossible moves of God just in their midst in such a way that then they cannot deny the power of God and that he is real. Because that's what these kids need. Because there's so much pointing them in other directions. They need to see things of God that they just cannot deny to be the power of God. And that to him has just been the greatest gift in our marriage. And the other person who's done this for me is, you'd all know Chrissy, Chrissy Watts. This girl is like praying for four randoms a day at the moment. And hearing her testimonies that she's just going out and being led by the Spirit on the train, any, like literally anywhere we are, she's just like, watching and listening to what the Spirit wants to do in her life. When I sit with her and we have coffee, hearing her testimony just builds my faith. And that is the most valuable thing that I could ever have in a friendship. And I believe that's the power of this community, that if we can learn to come back here on Sundays and speak and share these stories that where we have seen God move in our week, that will build each other's faith so then we can go out and that we can keep spreading the gospel. And so where have we let, where have, when I do it all the time, where have we let the how narrow your realm of possibility with God? Where have you let that narrow your realm of possibility with God? 
The other thing that um, stood out to me in this text was that living from promise involves cost. It involves cost. If you contemplate the cost that Mary would have had being the mother of Jesus, it was huge. Her encounter would have been misunderstood by so many, so many. The fact that she would conceive as a virgin was extremely unconventional socially and culturally. Extremely unconventional. It's such a bizarre way that God chose to move. But we have to remember that God is not a conventional God. He's just not. He's not a conventional God. And I think one of the things I've had to do is get rid of my conventional box that kind of, um, that leads me to have a certain expectation of how I feel either God will move in my life or what that will look like. Um, And there's a difference, I've learned there's a difference between expectancy and expectation. It's good to have expectancy, expectancy that God is going to speak to me, that he wants to move in my life. But often when I have expectation, it's like I have a certain um, parameter around what that will look like, an expectation on how God will move. And I've learned that that's not helpful because God is constantly just blowing my mind in the way that he likes to move and work. And the Bible is just full of stories of people who have unconventional encounters with God. It's full of stories. Looking to Samuel 6 with David. He danced before the Lord with all of his might, and he did it half naked. I'm not suggesting that we come back here next week and, and do that, but what David was concerned with, he was he was less worried about appear, appearing foolish to the people around him and more concerned about just worshipping God in complete abandonment. And you know the cost of that? Saul's daughter despised him in her heart. She despised him. Unfortunately, sometimes our encounters, people will despise us for they will despise us for. Look at Pentecost. The believers were filled with the Spirit and they acted in such a way that people thought they were drunk. Again, that's not a conventional way for for God to move. Or look at even Jesus, what he did. He encountered what the Father was doing and he healed on the Sabbath and again he broke conventionality. He went against religiosity that said you couldn't do that. He went against what people expected to do because he was just faithful to what God was calling him to do in that moment. And the promises of God will help us bear the cost of of those unconventional encounters. They helped Mary carry the cost, being so misunderstood and and being led to to flee her home and, and, and have so many things where she'd have to trust God. Those promises of God would have kept her grounded to be able to bear that cost. And so are we willing to bear the cost of being called into something that people might question, that people might not understand? And it's not that we chase the big encounter. No, we chase Jesus. And if that involves things that kind of stretch our mind, then that's okay because we're just being faithful to what the Lord puts before us. And I was just reminded of the the question again in my life, but is my faith costing me anything? Or aren't I agreeing to the promises of God because I just don't feel like I need them in my life, that I'm okay, I don't actually need to be relying on God's promises so much. The other day I was um, looking at the Open Doors website 
um, where it talks about the persecution of Christians in different countries. And I was reading about it in Afghanistan. And it said this, it said, new Christians are considered insane for leaving Islam. If they won't recant, they may end up in a psychiatric hospital, be beaten or have their houses destroyed. Believers lose their lives if they openly follow Jesus. And in the backdrop of this climate, um, a Christian Afghan man, they had, a, they had a quote from him, and he said these words, We are not afraid, but we are strong and we are hopeful. We know he will come again. He is coming back. And those who do not know him need him in their lives. For now we, his followers, need to live with thankful and prayerful hearts. That is such a strong picture of someone living from promise as they bear the cost of following Jesus. It's truly inspiring that he would hold on and cling on to the promises of God so much that he would be able to bear that cost. And, you know, living from promise involves cost, but I believe that we are able to bear the cost because we, we see the blessing that is received in the promises. And so living from promise also receives blessing. And this verse just jumped off the page uh, to me when I was reading it, the last verse, verse 45, where it says, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her has believed, that's that's a faith statement. Um, Mary believed that believing that, Mary lived believing that the, the promises spoken to her in this angel encounter would be fulfilled. She believed in those things. And just to unpack that word blessed, um, the, the what's are getting a bit of a shout out today, but the other day I actually heard Simon define it as, as this when we were having a conversation about it, which I found really helpful. Um, being blessed is provision for enjoyment, increase, and purpose. So provision for enjoyment of God and his creation, increase the immeasurably more riches of his grace, that we would learn more and more what it is we have actually inherited in God as a son and a daughter of him, and purpose. That blessing actually enables us to achieve the purposes of God, that God's favour would open doors um, in order that we might see his gospel spread. Um, and so I want to just give an example of promised blessing in cost as we, as we finish. So in Mark chapter 10, verse 28 to 30, Peter says to Jesus, We have left everything to follow you. We have left everything to follow you. And Jesus replies, Truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel, will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Imagine what that promise means for that man in Afghanistan, for what he is bearing. Anyone who chooses me over children, parents, family, possessions, all for the sake of the gospel, it will come back to them a hundred times as much in this lifetime. Not in eternity. Blessing isn't just for eternity, but now. 
homes, family, mothers, brothers, sisters, possessions, and also notice persecutions. There is still persecutions. The cost is still there as we are, as we are in this side of eternity. But it will come back to him a hundred times as much in this lifetime. Living from promise, I believe, will give us the courage to sacrifice things for Jesus. And as we do this, we step into the blessings of God. And I know some of us feel uncomfortable when we talk about blessing. I know I have, um, I've had to sit with this and, and kind of sit, well, what is the purpose of blessing? It's almost like we don't feel worthy to receive that before God. But the blessings that come from promise are all over Scripture. They're just, they're all over Scripture. And our blessings allow others to see Jesus more fully in us. Stewarding our blessings well is, is, is so important in order to see the gospel spread. Blessing allows people to see Jesus more fully in us. It's, as we steward that, we will see God's kingdom. We will see God's kingdom. And look at Mary. She trusted that God would fulfill a promise to her. And this resulted in the re-blessing of the world through Jesus. Because she believed in promise, she walked in a place of faith and not fear. She saw that the impossible could become possible. She bore the cost and stepped into blessing. We received a saviour. And now all the promises of God are ours in Christ. Because she believed a promise, now through our relationship with Jesus, all the promises of God in Christ for his followers are ours. They're ours. Imagine just how much you could bless this earth if you believed that God would fulfill his promises to you. Imagine how much you could bless this earth. And the question is, like, do you actually believe that God wants to fulfill his promises to you? They're all over scripture. That he wants to work every situation for your good. That when you rest with him, he will give you joy and peace. That when you are weary and burdened, he will give you rest. Do you believe that God wants to fulfill his promises to you? Because sometimes I think it's like Jesus died so that we can enjoy the whole piece of cake. Just think of it. That cake is all of God's promises. But it's like we're kind of eating and nibbling on just one sliver and God's saying, no, I died so you can enjoy the whole piece of it. There's so much more on offer. Don't settle for just that little piece of cake. I have more on offer for you. And guess what? You need the more to be able to spread my gospel more fully. He didn't just go through that, that suffering so that we could just be satisfied with enjoying a tiny piece of cake when he actually died so we could feast on this incredible thing we have inherited in God. So I just leave you with this question. Do you believe that the Lord wants to fulfill his promises to you? So why don't we stand? I'm going to invite Adam up and the band and Julie. Um, and I just want to give us um, an opportunity just to respond to God in our hearts with, with this message. Um, so... Why don't you just close your eyes?
And I just want you to think of a situation that you're facing um, at the moment. As we're going into to Christmas, um, there might be a burden that is associated with that. There might be a sense of fear just leading into the new year, given how difficult this last year has been. There might be a brokenness in family that you have to face over Christmas that is really challenging, or might just be not having the loved ones you love around you at Christmas, whatever it is. Just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that situation to you now. And I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit in your heart that he would lead you to a promise in scripture. Trust the words that drop into your head. If they line up with scripture and they are rooted in and they are based in love, it's Jesus. Just keep asking God for that promise and when you have it, just thank him for it. Thank him for that promise. And I just invite you in these weeks leading up to Christmas just to write that down and hold on to that. Declare it over your life, speak it over your life and, and just watch and see how your, your mind shifts. And so, Father, we thank you that the promises you have given us are just ours because of Jesus and what he has done. We thank you that your love for us is just so deep that you didn't want to give those promises to us so that we can stay in faith, so that we can stay in hope, so that we can stay in joy. So by the, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, I just pray that those promises would move from our heads and they would be sown deep into our hearts. Lord, that they would become just, just something so sweet and valuable to us, that we would hold on to them, that we would we would not let go to them, that they would be they would become the most valuable things in our life because we know the word of God endures forever. So, Lord, I just pray and ask that over these next few weeks, God, as we lead up to Christmas, would you give us revelation, revelation of your love for us, revelation of your promises for us, revelation of just how precious we are, revelation of what you're calling us into, God. Would you give that to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, so that we can spread your gospel, 